ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the Undiluted Truth. Uh, we're, right now, we're going to be putting out an episode. It's actually the third part of Who Are They? And yes, it's been a while. We apologize for that. But there's actually a reason for that. But more about that in a little bit. Uh, let's welcome in our host, Mike. Hey, Ben. It is good to be here. And uh, it's even better to have your dad with us again. Yes. And I know the uh, the first time uh, he offered a lot of medical expertise, and we're looking forward to that. And yes, a lot has happened. Uh, I think the more I see where we were with this and what uh, what all has happened in between, it just seems like it's getting heavier and heavier and, and just a little bit more crazier and crazier and you know, we, we talk about keeping our uh, our common sense not checked in at the door or, right. you know, when we check it in, we got to run back and get it. And we go, whoop, you know, because a lot of this really is common sense. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've got to keep my temperament, my, you know, my emotions in check because some of this that we are uncovering and, and some of it is just more news of the day that we're trying to keep up with. And it's amazing because this was just done in the middle of June, I think. So it hasn't been too long since this, but this seems like it was almost right. last year. So much has happened in between. Oh yeah. That that's June of this year, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd say last year. Like no, June no this, year. this year. Yeah. That, it seems like yeah. it was way back. Um, but yeah, this was only just a couple of months ago, barely mm-hmm. that this, Event 2021 live from Dallas that Dr. Richard Fleming uh, is is doing here. And this is just really good kind of coming straight at you stuff, if you will. Yeah. So, well, look, in lieu of time, I'm going to ask Joe to just sort of give us his credentials. I mean, uh, if, if you guys don't remember, uh, Joe is a medical technologist. That might sound a little, I guess, general, but uh, Joe, if you would, uh, you can introduce yourself and uh, just give us your actual credentials, I think would help uh, before we begin today. I actually have three degrees. I have an AS degree, which is an associate's in science. I have a BS degree. My BS is in medical technology. So my title, my initials for that are BSMT. Okay. And... I have a master's degree in business administration, so I have an MBA. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Why did I get the MBA? Because in order to be in charge in a laboratory, they want you to have that advanced degree so that you understand the business side of things as well as the uh, technical side of things. Okay. So I learned both. Well, very good. Well, we are... So appreciative to have you here, and I know we've been trying to get this, uh, you know, this particular episode together, and it is nice to have all of us in the studio together. So, well, if if you recall, Doctor Fleming was on the backside of uh, it, explaining what was going on in these hospitals and how people were not being treated. He mentioned a method that he had developed, and he knew exactly what was wrong with them, with these blood clots taking place from COVID-19. But we're not going to speak for him. We're going to let him speak for himself. So 
we will go ahead and if you guys are ready, yeah. uh, welcome everybody that is out there, rock tumblers, truth seekers, and are we ready to tumble? We Let's are. do it. Yes, here we go. All right. These things, these inflammable thrombotic responses that I presented in the theory. Pause that, please. These things, these inflammable thrombotic responses that I presented in the theory are why the people with COVID-19 have been dying. These deaths are all the result of the federal government telling people there is no treatment and not allowing doctors to practice medicine and controlling the way in which that practice of medicine is being conducted. <clears throat> you also need to address the fact that you have to deal with the airflow and the blood clotting independently. How do I know this? You heard this before. We did a national clinical trial outside of the United States. We looked at places in the US, no, we don't know what we can really do. Okay, I'm not somebody who sits around and waits for somebody to offer an invitation. So when 2019 started, this infection, by January, I was looking up the literature, find out what we know about viruses, what we know about drugs that work, and how they work. Not whether it's an antibiotic, but how it works, how it interferes with the ability of the virus to replicate itself. What do all the drugs do? And within about three and a half months, I had put together a research project. It's a randomized clinical trial. You came into it, you got randomly assigned drug treatment. The only way I know when I don't know an answer is to randomly assign people. So they came in, 1,800 people in seven countries at 23 sites. These are the dates we started, how many people there were in those sites. The raw redacted data for this is now available for the world to see on the website. Everything got opened up this morning. Raw redacted, you're not gonna find out the hospital, the doctor, or the patient. It's none of your bloody business. The research data is there. You're a scientist and you care. Analyze the data. All right. I'm going to pause that real quick right there. Uh, first of all, 1,800 patients, seven different countries. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the raw redacted. I, I like what he said there because it sounds more like he's speaking to other doctors and scientists because he said if you care look at the data the data the data yeah so and you know of course he doesn't make any bones about it you know all the rest of this stuff is none of your bloody business uh so no and I, i've been part of these kinds of studies before we do this to verify normal ranges on, on things we get a bunch of patients, we get all of their stuff, we run the lab tests, and we don't care what their name is or anything else about them. We just care what the data says Absolutely. so that we can yeah. say, this is normal, this is not. Absolutely. So I, I, I like the fact that he's trying to address his peers, actually, you know, and, and these are the things... I mean, he's went out on his own with some other comrades, if you will, um, in these other countries and, and performed this. This is really, 
really powerful. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's move on, Ben. All right. Outpatients, they had to have a positive PCR test and they went and they saw their doctors. And their doctors made a decision. We're either gonna treat you with one of four options that I provided or we're not. That's called the clinical practice of medicine. And it's done by doctors, not three-letter agencies. They made like a decision. That. Yes. In three days, they had to come back to be reassessed. If they got better, they were kept on that, go home. Whether they got treatment or not. If they didn't get better, congratulations, you earned a hospital bed. And they got randomly assigned treatment. Ten treatment possibilities. We did every three days analyzing them, as I'll show you in a moment. And what happened is that if they didn't get any better or they got worse, if they got worse, they got pulled off the first drug and then randomly assigned a second one. If they got better, they stayed on that drug. If there wasn't any change, they got randomly assigned a new drug added to it. Believe it or not, you can analyze this statistically. So 10 drugs turned into 52 treatment combinations. In all fairness and transparency, this is my patent. Valentine's Day, after two decades worth of work. Two decades. Yep, to me. Claims differentiates tissue. Basically what this does is it calibrates the cameras that we use because they haven't been calibrated before to know that they're accurately measuring anything. We calibrate them for pretty pictures, but not accuracy. So this calibrates the cameras so that no matter where you're at in the world, it's valid the same thing, <clears throat> and you can serially follow somebody day after day after day, or every three days in this case, and compare their results meaningfully. And it enhances blood flow, regional blood flow, and metabolic differences. And when you look at tissue, this is how it marches out. The numbers go up, and as you go across the curve here, you'll see that the lower uptake and counts are dead tissue, then normal tissue, then inflammation and infection, and then early cancers and later cancers. And you can sort out heart disease this way by doing comparison images, and you can monitor treatment. And that's what happened to these people. They came into the hospital. They got this and a series of blood tests, including something called ferritin and interleukin-6, which are markers of inflammation, blood tests, and this test. And they got an image taken, and then it was measured. So this is the liver, this is the heart, mediastinum where the thymus is, right lung, left lung. This woman came in, she was patient 3-1. Woman, third site, first patient, entered because she failed treatment one. Treatment one, because I designed this, I know what it is, was um, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. She failed it. She got worse. Her doctor said, come into the hospital. These are the results. Her FMTVDM was 195. So you can see inflammation infection. Ferritin 302, interleukin 45 with the units there. Those are all elevated. Yep. You've got an infection, you've got inflammation, you need treatment. So she got randomly assigned treatment eight, which I put on there even though I remember it, methoprednisolone, starting at 125 milligrams IVQ six hours. 
And in three days, she was restudied. And if you look at the images, you'll, you'll visually say, well, wait a minute. It's not the appearance. That's qualitative. It's the quantitative measurement that's critical. And sometimes the way these cameras are set up, they make pretty pictures, but they lose data. And I'm not going to allow that. If I put a measuring tape out, I want it to be consistent. Her follow-up was 170. That was still high, but it was a drop of 25, which by definition meant she was successful. She recovered, got out. Anybody in here think of anyone who was taking hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, ended up eventually being hospitalized for COVID-19, and popped out of the hospital in a few days in a black suburban waving at people? Okay, one of the drugs we got was that. <clears throat> Surprise, I wasn't. Okay. So, we know who that was. Uh, but more importantly, first of all, the, the camera, uh, I, I guess, patent that Dr. Fleming has it was, I think that was pretty neat. Unfortunately, and even me over here on the screen looking at the pictures, I'm not a radiologist, so I can't make a determination as to, but there was a distinct difference. But what I think is so amazing is that he could stay where he was at his location and through this camera, these cameras that he had in all of these different locations, he could follow these sequences and look at, uh, uh, you know, the metabolic differences in the blood and, and, and so forth. I think that's amazing. And, and again, he didn't want to just see pretty pictures. These pictures were, were again, data to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The pictures along with the test results from, the interleukin and these other tests that he did, these are all the kinds of things that the doctors need to have in order for them to be able to monitor this on a timely basis, to be able to say, yes, my treatment is working, or no, it's not, we need to go a different step. Yeah. And once again, random clinical trial. He's starting really from square one with this, but... No. That's what he says. That's what we, that's what we do. This is how you practice medicine. Uh, so, anyway, wanted to highlight that. And unfortunately, we couldn't show. Well, even if you could see the pictures, I don't know that would have done <laughs> most most any good. But moving moving along, the interesting thing is is what I what I can appreciate. You're not getting any better. Well, then we're gonna. Add that. If you're getting worse, we're going to change the whole. Uh, I, I guess the whole, the whole sample or the whole. Right. Uh, we're changing your your medical your 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 treatment your treatment, treatment plan yeah. because obviously the treatment plan we're giving you is not working. So right. if the treatment plan I'm giving you is not working, I don't want to continue that treatment plan. Right. I want to change it. Yeah. It's the same thing that we do. On a regular basis, you go into the doctor, you have a slight infection, the doctor prescribes an antibiotic for you, and he takes a culture, okay? Mm. And then two days later, he calls you and says, I'm going to change the antibiotic. Well, the reason he's doing that is because the culture came back and said that the antibiotic he put you on 
is not working. Right. Because we can test that. We mm-hmm. know whether that antibiotic is going to work on that particular bug. Right. Okay. So we test that. He finds out that antibiotic isn't working, but there are other antibiotics that we have given him choices of that say, these work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he'll change your antibiotic and give you something else. And that, yeah, and that sounds exactly what he's doing. So he's, so he's developing different treatment plans, right. 10 different drugs, 53 different combinations. That's, that's interesting. So, yeah. okay, well, let's move on here. Outpatient results. <clears throat> You've probably never heard of clindamycin. It's an antibiotic. But more importantly, the way it works is it interferes with TMPRSS2. And it interferes with ribosomal translation of proteins, which means the virus can't reproduce itself. Now, here's the numbers. Treatment for 100% successful down here. 211 people, everybody, everybody is an outpatient recovered from that. Look, you get enough people in this regimen, somebody's going to fail it, okay? (laughs) Nothing's perfect. You just keep working at it. Second regimen that was second most effective was a combination of hydroxychloroquine and clindamycin. Get the com- end, uh, focus here. It's clindamycin. Yeah, they, f- they found something that works. <clears throat> Third most effective, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. 74.2% is still a heck of a lot more effective than dead. <laughs> okay? I, I, so. I would agree. Yes. Because when the federal government tells you there's no treatment and prohibits doctors from practicing and says there's no treatment, and you can't do that because it's harmful to patients, my question to the federal government is how much worse can it get than dead? Can you make them more dead than dead? Good question. Mm Mm-hmm. And hydroxychloroquine and doxycycline was least effective. <clears throat> In patients, 99.83% of the COVID patients recovered. I'm not happy with that number because we lost three people. But mm. if they came in and they'd gotten an aminoquinoline, so that's primaquine or hydroxychloroquine, and they failed, like that woman I showed you, and came in, and they got either put on methylprednisolone in this sequence. You can download it from the Internet, people. Or tocilizumab and interferon alpha-2-beta, which is an interleukin-6 inhibitor, and this inhibits viral replication. We're so smart, right? Doctors, scientists, it interferes with viral medication. Interferon. Okay. So what sounded really kind of strange when you first heard me say it, it just interferes, okay? And if they didn't, it turns out that the combination that worked was primaquine and clindamycin with tocilizumab and interferon alpha-2-beta, okay? 99.83% of the time of the COVID-19 diseased patients, the critically ill people. Okay, quickly. So... He wasn't happy with those results. No. Why? Because Three people. he had a code that he uh, swore to when he became a doctor. It said, do no harm. And the opposite of doing harm is to do good, to prevent 
death, if at all possible. Absolutely. I believe this goes back to our question as to uh, what is an acceptable death rate? Yes. Well, according to him, it's what we said, zero. Zero, yeah. That's his acceptable death rate. And that, that's, that's no question. And if you, if you have an opportunity to go uh, on the high wire, and we'll just plug this right now, uh, and, and just look up Richard Fleming event 2021, you can see and see the whole presentation that, that, that this event has and see this man's passion. Uh, and he's got plenty of it, uh, especially for his patients and, and people in our citizenry. But, and I think another reason why his, he, he finds the death rate of the three individuals unacceptable is because he realized getting into this and the processes that he was going through and the research that he was doing that these deaths were, in fact, preventable. Yes. And I think that really is the crux of it, Joe. He, well, and at the end also, he said, now keep in mind, these are those that were infected with the COVID-19 hospital, critical people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that is the difference. And of course, we, you know, we heard prior that it was the blood clotting part of this disease that he knew he recognized it for to him it was a footprint it was like an inspector uh identifying you know or, or doing a, an investigation on maybe a, a a murder mystery and oh i've got a footprint uh this looks familiar and when it all was said and done he was the one that developed the method to treat what this disease was causing and I think that's incredible. Um, but God bless him, and there should be more men uh, and women like him. I know that there's there's plenty out there that are speaking out, but uh, uh, this man has lots of passion. All right, well, let's continue to move on here. All right. He also got put on a combination of this, and you'll see later exactly how much in the documents that you two can now download from the internet, okay? We also gave them atrovent nebulizer to open their airways because I want to open their lungs, not race their heart. So the drugs that many people use also race your heart because they are not, it's called beta selective. So beta one is heart rate, beta two is airway. This is a beta two agonist, not a beta one, beta two agonist. If I wanted you to race your heart, I'd put you on a treadmill. Okay, because that's what cardiologists do, right? By the way, the guy who developed the treadmill test, Dr. Bruce, trained the doctor who trained me. And I've written papers on that, too, if you really want to bore yourself. Fair enough. Now, <laughs> this is, other, these are other people who have published observational information. They're out there. Their names are out there. They've commented on these drugs. They've got the first step. They've observed something. But just because you observe something doesn't mean what you observe is necessarily real. It also doesn't mean it's not real. It just means scientifically you want to go ahead and validate it, which I think you want to do, because if you've got something that works, you want to know that it works. Because I'll be honest with you, as a research scientist, I've done things that I'm puzzled as why they're working. And
I'm going to pause this real quick just before the, the it takes the screen off because some of these people I recognize and basically what he's saying is is this is what doctors should be doing. They should be recording and reporting these things so that other doctors and medical facilities can use this information uh, to benefit p- patients, hopefully. Right. So the, the, there's a couple here that I recognize right away, Dr. Peter McCulloch, uh, Dr. Richard Bartlett, there are uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and uh, uh, Dr. Harvey Reich, but those first two, and then Dr. Elphathiri Atala uh, from Brown University. But I, I didn't wa- I didn't want these names to go to go by the wayside, but and also highlight there's not many people doing this. There just simply is not many people that are reporting what they're finding well when the government is is um stopping you from practicing medicine and threatening to remove your license to do so um yeah if your livelihood is is threatened you might keep your mouth shut Uh, it takes a bold brave person to stand up to tyranny and that's that's a good point, Joe, because you th- they are very crafty about uh, they're placing these people that are supposed to, and we've already mentioned it, supposed to be treating to save every life that they really have in their care. Right. But now they're they're really asked to to choose between their profession, their livelihood, maybe the the the, the way to to take care of their families, mm-hmm. and a life, essentially. And that is that is. That's incredulous, in my opinion. It's an untenable yes. situation to be put into. Yes. And it bothers me <clears throat> that my government is doing that. Yes. Yes. And, and let's, put it where, let's put it right where it belongs. My government is doing that. Yes. And he mentioned that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, got a few more minutes here. Let's uh, keep going. Other times I'll go, well, that should have worked. <clears throat> I mean, I've had patients that I've taken care of. I remember this sweet little old lady who, who, who came in and she had a massive heart attack, what I call a myocardial infarction, and I threw everything in the kitchen sink at her. And after a couple of days, the nurses came up and hugged me and said, Dr. Fleming, you saved her. And I had to respond to her and go, um, look, uh, I'm really glad because she's off the ventilator and she's talking today, but I have no idea what I did that worked because basically I just did everything I could think of and I you know it's like and I've had other people that I, I just go I don't understand why they died they they were so well 36 to 48 hours ago and I was doing everything right and I I'm going to pause it right there um, just in time I wanted you to hear that because if you see this when he speaks of this individual or, or say individuals, and I'm sure he's probably thinking about at least one or two that he's thought, you know, uh, two to three days prior that they're doing well, they're everything's fine, and all of a sudden he loses them. He's getting choked up here. That's why he paused. There was such a long pause. You can t- he's sort of tearing up, if you will. But here's a humble man, you know, with with that, and then the one prior. He 
This is a compassionate man. Yes, absolutely. And he didn't want, you know, they, the nurses were trying to give him credit on the other one. He's like, well, look, I did just everything I know how to do. I'm not sure what happened, but, you know, he was happy, but he was humble enough to say, I threw the book at him and something worked and I don't know which one it was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He, he wasn't, he wasn't claiming that he knew exactly what it was, but he's the epitome, I think, of, uh, of a, of a real physician that takes his job seriously and he takes, life is sacred to this man, I believe. So I think that's probably a good note to, to end on, but I didn't want to, gloss over we we went through prior you know we watched the way he's laid out some of these things and how we are fearfully and wonderfully made and the idea of the the immune system and how it works and how it interferes in the things that it tries to do to protect us um i'm like you can throw almost anything at this body that is in the nature, a natural, I'm not talking about a biochemical, but we are made to take care of it. If we're an average healthy, uh, and I'm not talking about a triathlete, but an average healthy individual with our immune system. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's, that gets lost in all of this, all of this conversation and gets lost in God has had the foresight to give us the protection we need. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we think, well, God didn't know this was going to happen. You know, that book was written a long time ago. This is 2021. He yeah. made us. He knows what we were going to face in this world, doesn't he? He wrote the manual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we sort of, it gets lost. He he knows everything that this world has, and it's like, oh, I, I, I made you. I've fearfully and wonderfully made you and your immune system if you eat the right thing, if you exercise, and and all of these wonderful things. He also made us all unique. Yes. And and this is where where something that, you know, Dr. Fleming has has talked about. He talked about, you know, he had these 10 different drugs that he was using. And if one didn't work, he did something else. And he ended up with... 53 different ways of treating this. This is why doctors are licensed to practice medicine, because you and I are different. We are unique. We're each made different. We each function different, and we each respond differently to external stimuli, whatever that might be, whether that's drugs or uh, fresh air or whatever it is, we all respond differently to that. And what he was doing was taking those individual responses and finding out which ones are going to work for this body because yeah. they are not necessarily going to work for that body. Absolutely. I, I, and I, I was thinking the same thing. I like the way you put that um, cause we don't all react to the same foods, the same, the, the, you know, the same, you know, drug, uh, drugs or, or uh, supplements or whatever it is, uh, very, very well put point, uh, put in good point, uh, Joe. So in closing, um, do we have anything that, uh, we'd like to close with? 
Any other thoughts? Joe, thank you again for being here. I, I, we need to, we need to have something like this, and I don't think it would be a waste of time for forty-five to, to fifty minutes because there's so much there, and Joe adds so much. So we'll look at doing that and having you back, Joe, if you if you don't mind. Uh, but uh, thanks again for being here. Appreciate so much your input. So, well, Ben, Joe, why don't we? bow our heads and close with a prayer. All right. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you so much for being our creator. And Lord, with everything that we're going through, Lord, we ask for your continued guidance and leadership. Please give us discernment so that we can correctly share this information that we're finding as we're tumbling rocks. We're looking and seeking for truth. And Lord, may we not lose sight of who you are through all of this and know that when we may feel helpless, hopeless, that we can turn to you for strength and comfort and even healing physically and spiritually. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to share these things on this platform. And Lord, we thank you for Ben and, and Joe being here. And may you provide our listeners with all of the blessings that they need. And may we continue to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.